0: Hello everyone, I'm Justin Kavanaugh and welcome to The Spice of the Autumn Night, a weekly audiobook podcast in which I read to you my unedited, unpolished, rough draft novel which I wrote for National Novel Writing Month. In November 2018, I sat down and wrote a 50,000-word book in 30 days. That book was The Spice of the Autumn Night, a rambling tale of romance and adventure with inconsistent characters and a plot which barely holds together. In March 2019, I recorded The Spice of the Autumn Night as an audiobook, and the 13 chapters of that book comprise Season 1 of this podcast. But I felt that these characters had more stories to tell, and so I'm following up with Season 2, a sequel entitled The Relish of the Winter Dawn. This week, we are cracking into Chapter 7, the midpoint of The Relish of the Winter Dawn, in which Carolyn, Theodora, and Marcy Marcy set out to uncover the secrets of the Eagle and Thrush, and one of them takes a sensual journey that ends in terror. Chapter 7. A Threat and a Beckon Carolyn looked to Theodora and Marcy Marcy. All of them had the same shocked and horror-stricken expression on their faces. She backed away slowly, away from Cork Darcy and the murdered body lying wrapped in a coat on the floor of the greenhouse, surrounded by cash and traveler's checks and bits and pieces of tree bark. Back in the relative safety of her circle of friends, Carolyn allowed herself to release some of the adrenaline that had built up inside her. She roared like a lioness, queen of the pride, on the hunt with her pack of lion princesses, after a long drought had baked a scarcity and a sorrow into the wild, untouched landscape. "'Now, now!' "'said Theodora, consoling Carolyn with a hearty pat on the back. "'We have to be strong right now, Carolyn. "'We are shocked and saddened, but think of how Baldwin must feel.' "'Oh, you're right,' said Carolyn. "'Here I am, wrapped up in myself, "'when Baldwin has just lost someone so close and dear to him.' "'Don't worry,' said Marcy Marcy. "'It's not you.' It's the spice. Cork Darcy got up from his kneeling position and fetched a loose piece of tarpaulin that had come down from the roof when Briar crashed through it. He draped the dark green watertight fabric gently over the body, then turned back to address the assembled guests and hotel staff. Ladies and gentlemen, Darcy said. I'm afraid this is now no longer just an investigation into some missing people, some cash, a few knickknacks, and an elegantly decorated gift egg. This is now a murder investigation, and we will need to proceed very carefully. Carolyn felt an icy draft swirl around herself as Cork Darcy spoke truth to power. She looked up, and saw the blizzard dumping large quantities of wispy snow through the gaping hole in the roof of the greenhouse. "'Is there anything we can do to help?' asked Caroline. "'I'm certain that there is,' said Darcy. "'I was opposed to your idea of investigating this place before, but the circumstances of this murder have changed everything. We must undertake a thorough inspection of the bed and breakfast.' Someone here is a cold-blooded murderer, and I am going to find out exactly who it is. Cork Darcy moved quickly and started shooing the guests and staff out of the greenhouse and back toward the tram stop. This is a crime scene, folks, he said, and for that reason it is officially off-limits. No more greenhouse for anyone." As Carolyn, Theodora, and Marcy Marcy watched the guests file unquestioningly toward the tram, they had a moment of pause. They held back and waited to collect Baldwin, who was overcome with grief and sitting on a felled tree trunk, dazed and unwilling to interact with anyone. "'I am so sorry, Baldwin,' said Carolyn, as she tried to coax him to his feet." We are going to find out who did this to your beloved Briar, and why. Without Briar, whispered Baldwin, I'm lost. Whoever has done this has condemned me to a life dominated by toxic spice. I thought this weekend getaway would help us to discover the relish together, but this dream vacation has turned into a nightmare He looked up at Carolyn, his eyes misty with a thousand tears yet to cry. It is turned from relish to hellish. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you ladies to board the tram and head back to your suites, said Cork Darcy. We will need to speak with Baldwin alone. He's not a suspect in this heinous crime, certainly, said Theodora. This is just standard procedure for an investigation like this said darcy standard procedure said marcy marcy haughtily don't get ideas above your station cork remember you're just a security guard at a bed and breakfast i am a security officer at a bed and breakfast thank you very much said darcy and if you don't want the eerie scythe of suspicion in a murder investigation to fall on you i suggest you leave me to do my job in peace well i never said theodora Of all the impertinence! Carolyn put a comforting hand on Baldwin's shoulder. Is there anything you need us to do for you right now? She asked. Baldwin shook his head wordlessly, then mumbled a few unintelligible syllables before returning to silence. Carolyn turned away and wiped a tear from her eye, then joined Theodora and Marcy Marcy on their slow, lonely walk back to the tram. As they boarded the small vehicle, Carolyn could have sworn she heard Cork Darcy, security officer of the Eagle and Thrush, laughing maniacally, like an evil wizard who had just discovered a new potion. As the earth rotated, and the valley in which the Eagle and Thrush was situated neared midday, there was little change in the conditions outside. The blizzard continued to rage down upon the small mountain dell, and visibility was still near zero. Looking out a window was an exercise in futility, and Carolyn felt as though the entire property had been transported from the idyllic winter wonderland to some mysterious otherworldly location. As the underground tram conveyed the ladies back to Tamarack House, their thoughts all turned to Baldwin, and the tragic loss of his husband Briar under such violent circumstances. Carolyn, Theodora, and Marcy Marcy separated to dress for the day, even though there was very little indication from the weather conditions what time of day it was, and meet back in Tamarack House Great Room in one hour for luncheon and to discuss their present situation. Although the Eagle and Thrush's main restaurant, Deschet, was closed pending a full assessment of last night's damage and a final clean-up, The kitchen was still committed to serving and cooking the best food one could expect on a weekend getaway. After they had reconvened in the great room, and Theodora had built another roaring fire around which for them to gather, they perused the room service menu and placed a massive order of sandwiches, a variety of pickled vegetables, and an assortment of chocolate biscuits. "'I'm afraid that awful security guard thinks that Baldwin killed Briar!' said Caroline, cork darcy is certainly no detective but it seems as though the opportunity for a juicy investigation free from the scrutiny of the sheriff's office or the district attorney has gone to his head i don't know said theodora what makes you so certain that baldwin is innocent are you serious right now asked Caroline in disbelief "'You really think that sweet, wonderful, chunky man could have stabbed his husband "'with multiple steak knives in the back and left him for dead on the roof of a greenhouse?' "'I'm not ruling it out,' said Theodora. "'You remember what they said. This has been a very rocky time in their relationship.' "'But we've all had rocky relationships,' countered Carolyn. "'That doesn't automatically provide a motive for cold-blooded murder.' Don't you agree, Marcy Marcy? Marcy Marcy, who was lying in the sumptuous chair and a half, with her wounded thigh propped up on an ottoman, shook her head. There were a whole bunch of times over the years when I wanted to murder you, she said. The way you flaunted your relationship with Dirk in my face. You know I fell in love with both of you, and to see two things I loved so much and could never attain, well, murder isn't totally unreasonable to consider when you're in a particularly low point okay so maybe this is a bad example said carolyn i still don't believe that baldwin could have done it after all he's so chunky how could such a roly-poly gentleman be able to climb up to the top of the greenhouse with a corpse in tow and stash it without falling through that's a good point said theodora i had not thought of that exactly said carolyn there is so much going on here so much more than just meets the eye i think we should flip cork darcy the old bird and take over this investigation ourselves what do you say ladies care to do a little freelance detective work theodora tittered with excitement like those potato peel ladies in that book she said all a quiver exactly said carolyn i've read enough murder mystery novels to know exactly how to lead the investigation." Let me grab a notebook and a fancy pen to start taking my case notes. Carolyn fetched a small notebook and pen, branded with the logo and phone number of Arthur H. Chops DDS, her family dentist, and sat back down on the Davenport. Wait a minute, said Marcy Marcy. Who do you think you are, Megan Marple? Why do you get to lead the investigation? Because said Carolyn. "'I am the best person for the job. I have read over 140 murder mystery novels in my life.' She looked down at Marcy Marcy's heavily bruised thigh and continued, "'And I currently have the ability to get up out of my chair. That's kind of a main prerequisite for being able to be a spy.' "'Not necessarily,' said Theodora. "'Raymond Burr solved all those mysteries from a wheelchair.' Can we please just do this? said Caroline with exasperation. We are investigating and I am the leader. I am the natural choice. I am the most dynamic and the most beautiful and the most intelligent, so I should rightfully be in charge. The silence was deafening as Theodora and Marcy Marcy looked wide-eyed back at Caroline. Well, said Theodora, what's in the heart comes out the mouth. "'I don't think this is the spice-talking Carolyn,' said Marcy Marcy. "'I think you're just a selfish asshole, for real!' Carolyn was furious at her outburst. Did she really mean all of those horrible things she said? Her face flushed crimson, and she felt the full weight of her humiliation. She turned away from Theodora and Marcy Marcy, unwilling and unable to look at them squarely in the eye. Such was the depth of her disgrace.' The tension was palpable and so thick that one could have easily cut it with the dinner fork that had pierced the flesh of Marcy Marcy's Roquefort like thigh. Just when Carolyn thought she might snap in half under the weight of such disdain and disapproval, the dramatic moment was interrupted by a single knock at the door. That will be our room service lunch in order, said Theodora. Although I suddenly seem to have lost my appetite. "'Would you like to get the door, Carolyn?' said Marcy Marcy. "'Or is that too lowly a function for someone as high-status as you?' Caroline walked over to the large door and slowly opened it. On the other side, standing just beyond the underground tram stop, was one of the fit, handsome, well-built, and hyper-masculine bellmen with a cart, atop which sat a massive, stainless-steel food cover. "'Hello, Miss Fimbity,' said the bellman. "'Good afternoon,' Carolyn said, as she struggled to remember which of the three bellmen this was. It certainly wasn't the leader, Bjorn, but which of his two assistants this was, Carolyn could not be certain. "'It's Harvest, right?' The bellman laughed, his extremely tight-fitting uniform constraining the involuntary movement of his athletic body as he did so. "'No, ma'am, you're thinking of my colleague, Huxley. I am Creed.' Creed gestured toward the large cart, which filled the space between himself and Carolyn. "'May I bring this in?' he asked. "'Oh, of course,' said Carolyn, still not quite right after her hurtful outburst. As she turned around, following Creed into the great room, she blushed again at her behavior toward her two best friends.
1: "'Allow
0: us to give you a big tip,' said Theodora, reaching for her handbag." that is not necessary ma'am said creed i hope you enjoy your meal especially the desserts creed shook carolyn's hand bowed slightly and backed out of the great room exiting backwards through the door he finally turned and boarded the underground tram and was out of sight like i said theodora interjected after the front door had closed once again "'I no longer have an appetite for food, "'even if it is a sampling of delicious sandwiches and chocolate biscuits. "'Something seems to have disgusted me that I can no longer think of eating.' "'Screw that,' said Marcy Marcy. "'I am starving, and I'm not going to let some sass from Carolyn and Fimbity "'put me off a meal I've been looking forward to for over an hour.' "'Marcy Marcy lunged forward and managed to hook her hand onto the cart handle.' The natural, pendulum-like motion of her body as it settled back into her reclined position brought the cart closer to her, and she lifted the plate cover in eager anticipation. "'Oh, this looks delicious,' Marcy Marcy said. "'My whole mouth is full of saliva just thinking about it.' But Marcy Marcy's saliva was in vain, as there was no food underneath the massive plate cover." only a single folded piece of paper on a doily in the center of the tray what the hell cried marcy marcy this has to be the worst mistake a kitchen could have made i'm super hungry and all we got was that scrap of paper on a doily theodora stood up and snatched the folded paper from the cart carefully she opened it up to its full size and as she read it her eyes grew wider and wider and wider still. Such was the surprise of her reaction to its contents. What does it say? said Marcy Marcy anxiously. Theodora, what does it say? Theodora's voice cracked and went hoarse as she read the text on the paper. Stop trying to be heroes. Stop trying to discover things about yourself and others. Keep your nose out of things that don't concern you, or else... I will kill you. I mean it. Death threats, said Theodora breathlessly. That beautiful and athletic jerk, shouted Marcy Marcy. First, he brings us a fake room service cart with no food, and now he threatens to kill us. I don't think it was Creed, said Carolyn. "'I think he just delivered the cart and didn't know what was under that plate cover.' "'How do you know this?' asked Theodora. "'More of your detective instincts?' "'No,' Carolyn said softly, her voice pained with sadness. "'It's because when Creed shook my hand, he surreptitiously passed me this.' Carolyn held up a small, wadded-up napkin. "'Ew, gross!' said Marcy Marcy. "'Doesn't he know that it's flu season? "'The least he could do is keep his snotty tissues to himself.' "'No,' said Carolyn as she uncrumpled the napkin. "'It's a note, a secret note.' "'Caroline read the smeared text of the napkin with gravity and wonder. "'You are the only ones who can help us. "'This bed and breakfast is going to kill everyone unless you can rescue us.' "'Please know that we are a quiet resistance movement "'of eagle and thrush employees "'seeking to overthrow the regime "'that has oppressed us for so long. "'While we cannot reveal ourselves to you "'out of fear of violent reprisals, "'forced disappearances, and ghastly death, "'please know that we are supporting you. "'Please bring us out of this long, "'dark, oppressive night.' love always anonymous two opposing forces said carolyn as she folded the note one threatening to kill us and the other relying on us for their rescue this is unbelievable said theodora what are we going to do the only thing we can do said marcy marcy the right thing the honest thing the just thing "'We are going to uncover the secrets of the eagle and thrush!' Marcy Marcy paused for dramatic effect. "'Together!' Carolyn and Theodora joined in, and Marcy Marcy's single word of reassurance became a massive chant. "'Together! Together! Together!' After a few minutes, their enthusiasm died down, and the three ladies got down to the business of investigation." When did this place get weird? said Carolyn. We need to figure out the first moment that we noticed something was amiss or askew and work forward from there. I think everything has been pretty weird so far, said Theodora. But when did you first get that feeling in the pit of your stomach that things weren't right in this place? asked Carolyn. Marcy Marcy and Theodora sat thinking for several minutes. Finally, Theodora answered the question, "'I think it had to be when that crazed man came down the stairs, shouting and hollering like a madman, and the handsome men carried him off down the corridor,' she said. "'You're right,' said Marcy Marcy. "'After that, everything seemed to get super weird. The weather, this thick blizzard through which no one is able to see and no vehicle is able to penetrate—it all started right after that happened.' Carolyn looked out the windows to see nothing but an expanse of white and gray. The weather was still treacherous. "'We need to go down that corridor,' said Theodora. "'That man could be a prisoner of this place. He might be one of the Resistance.' "'Yes,' said Carolyn. "'If we find the crazed man, he might be the key to unlock the secrets of the eagle and thrush.' Carolyn sprang into action. "'Come on, ladies, let's board that tram and head back to reception.' "'But what if we run into one of the evil people?' asked Theodora. "'Don't worry,' said Carolyn. "'After all, we know that we have Creed on our side. "'I imagine the other two bellmen will be members of the Resistance, too. "'The one we have to watch out for is Copeland, the reception desk manager. "'He's sneaky, and I wouldn't doubt that he would kill each of us if he had the chance.' Theodora and Carolyn helped Marcy Marcy onto her feet, and they quietly exited the great room for the tram stop just underground. The grand reception area of the Eagle and Thrush was deserted, and as Carolyn, Theodora, and Marcy Marcy disembarked the safety of the comfortable and efficient underground tram for the eerie destitution of reception, a chill went down each of their spines, one after the next. "'Where is everyone?' "'said Theodora. "'With the terrible weather and the closure of the restaurant, "'there's not much going on here today,' said Carolyn. "'Maybe not on the surface,' said Marcy Marcy, "'as she hobbled to keep up. "'Now which corridor was it?' "'Caroline silently pointed to a narrow door marked Staff Only. "'Their footsteps created quiet shuffling sounds "'against the parquet flooring, "'and their hearts pounded in their ears "'as they made their guarded approach.' As Carolyn reached out to twist the handle, she had to struggle to keep her hands from quivering like an autumn leaf that had just made its reluctant descent from the security and collegiality of the branch of a tree. The door opened with a loud creak, and Carolyn, Theodora, and Marcy Marcy walked single file down a dark, narrow corridor. Doors lined both sides. "'What do you think these doors lead to?' asked Carolyn with a guarded whisper. "'Who knows?' said Theodora. "'Maybe offices or conference rooms.' "'Perhaps something a little more sinister,' said Marcy Marcy, "'like little individual torture chambers.' Carolyn stopped in front of the first door. "'Should we look inside?' "'We're not going to find what we're looking for "'unless we take a risk and open a few doors,' said Theodora." With a silent nod, Carolyn positioned herself directly in front of the door. She reached her hand out to grasp the handle, and she was surprised by the coldness, the smoothness of the imposing latch. For a moment, she luxuriated in its unexpectedly velvety texture, allowing her fingertips to dance across it slowly. Sensually, as though she were making contact with a long lost friend, one who had provided her with nothing but pleasure and confidence. The cold steel sent shivers up and down her spine, and she thought of all the ways that she could be brought to a fevered pitch of sexual ecstasy and passionate wonder just through the measured application of gentle pressure, a delicate stroking, or hot breath on a vulnerable earlobe. A soft moan of pleasure escaped Carolyn's lips as she melted into a pulsating boulder of quivering pleasure. What is happening to Carolyn? asked Theodora. She gets like this sometimes, answered Marcy Marcy. We just have to ignore her. Marcy Marcy did just that and swatted Carolyn's hand away from the door handle. Opening it herself, Marcy Marcy went into the small room, head first. Theodora remained beside Carolyn, who had no awareness of anything that was happening around her. So enraptured was she in her own pleasure. She writhed back and forth, positioning her body against Theodora to gain some kind of purchase which could allow her to scale the heights of passion once again. Marcy Marcy poked her head back out of the room. It looks like an office or some kind of interview room, like the ones they use for focus groups. Theodora left the now gyrating Carolyn out in the hall and entered the small room. There was a single desk and a chair on each side. A filing cabinet was nested snugly beneath the desktop, and the top drawer was open. Look at this, said Marcy Marcy. Maybe there's a clue in here. Oh, please be careful, Marcy Marcy, said Theodora. I feel like this is really dangerous. Breaking and entering, now snooping around in some old filing cabinet? Just relax, said Marcy Marcy. You're just jealous because it's been ages since anybody has rifled through your drawers. That's not true, said Theodora, offended. For your information, my Thaddeus and I have done plenty of drawer rifling in the last year, thank you very much." No way, said Marcy Marcy, pawing through a stack of papers. Thaddeus is a cold, dead fish. There's nothing that could ignite his furnace enough to even approach your drawers. Thaddeus and I have hot, ass-thumping sex at least four times a week, if you must know, said Theodora. Ever since he discovered the sensuality of the spice, why I can't keep him cooled down long enough. Marcy Marcy made a face that looked first like disgust, but morphed into curiosity. "'Are you enjoying that?' she asked. "'I didn't think I'd like it at first, but actually it's pretty wonderful,' said Theodora. "'When we get out of this,' said Marcy Marcy, "'I have a few questions to ask you about it. "'I've been trying to get Dirk to be more sexually adventurous lately, "'and I thought we might be able to ease into it.' "'Oh, definitely,' said Theodora.' But let's not talk about this right now. You know how sensitive Carolyn is to these things. Theodora looked behind her, just to make sure that Carolyn wasn't upset by the mention of her ex-husband, Dirk. But despite having been lost in a sexual fantasy of her own just moments ago, Carolyn was no longer there. Carolyn! Theodora's shout whispered. Carolyn, where are you? Are you telling me that she's gone? said Marcy Marcy. She was just here a second ago doing that weird sex thing, says Theodora. I didn't hear her leave. It's like she just vanished. Damn it, said Marcy Marcy. There's no telling where she went. She could be anywhere in this building or even on the property if she boarded the underground tram. Oh, no said Theodora with dread in her voice. Carolyn is going to end up just like Briah, stabbed with steak knives and thrown through a greenhouse ceiling with a decorative egg shoved into a mouth. Stop it, said Marcy Marcy. That's not gonna happen. We're gonna find her, and we're gonna do it with this. Marcy Marcy held out a file folder marked Secret and Confidential Eagle and Thrush Development Project Eastern Hemlock. Wait a second said Theodora. "'Didn't Copeland tell us that we could go anywhere on the property that we wanted except for the Easton Hemlock Building?' "'That's right,' said Marcy Marcy, "'and that's exactly where we're going to go. I'll bet that's where Carolyn is, and all the secrets from this place will be revealed there.' "'I hope you're right,' said a teary Theodora. "'Remember the note!' If we stick our nose into where it doesn't belong, we're going to be murdered in this bed and breakfast. Listen, you blubbering idiot, spat Marcy Marcy. Our friend is missing, and we are trapped here until the blizzard stops. We're going to do everything we can to figure out what's going on here, and if that means sticking our nose into where it doesn't belong, so be it. Theodora felt inspired by Marcy Marcy's display of leadership, and hung on her every word. In fact— "'continued Marcy Marcy. "'We are not going to leave this demented place "'until we have discovered the full extent of what goes on here. "'Hear me well, you secret bed-and-breakfast terrorist cabal. "'From this point forward, "'Theodora and I are sticking our noses in everywhere!' "'Marcy Marcy, still uneasy on her feet, "'wobbled out of the small room with a purpose, "'Theodora eagerly following closely behind. "'Come on, lady!' Beckoned Marcy Marcy. Let's go get an eye full of eagle and a nose full of thrush. And that (laughs) and that is the (laughs) and that is the end of the Relish of the Winter Dawn, Chapter 7. Well, folks, what could be better in a time of crisis than an eye full of eagle? and a nose full of thrush. If you'd like to get in touch, please send me an email at spiceautumnight at gmail.com, or you can call into the show with the Anchor mobile app. And as always, you can contact me on Twitter at JustinKav. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-K-A-V. The Spice of the Autumn Night is written, produced, and presented by me, Justin Kavanagh. New episodes are released every Saturday. If you enjoyed this episode of The Spice of the Autumn Night, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Be sure to give us a rating and a review and tell your friends. Thanks also to Jody Morgan for the cover art. You can see more of Jody's work at unsplash.com forward slash two lucky spoons. Thanks very much for listening, and I will see you again next week on the Spice of the Autumn Night.